Welcome everyone to the podcast where we hit the road to talk about public health, bringing you the latest and greatest. Diving into topics across our county and beyond to discuss how public health works to make communities wonderful places to live, work, and play. We're your hosts, Carmen and Elena, and this is Health Health on on Wheels. Wheels. Welcome back, everyone, to Health on Wheels. Carmen here. Elena is um, out today, so you guys are stuck with just me. Um, But I promise we have a great episode for you. Very, very excited to welcome someone else from outside of Knox County. We have two people with us, um, our public health colleagues in the central region, uh, Rachel Woods from Licking County and Alex Jones from Franklin County. Very excited to chat with them today. I am actually going to let them introduce themselves. So, um, Alex, would you like to say hello? Absolutely. Thank you so much, Carmen, and uh, great to be on with you today and uh, with our colleagues from Licking County as well. So, I'm Alex Jones. Uh, My pronouns are she, her, hers. I am one of our assistant health commissioners, and I oversee our division of prevention and wellness at Franklin County Public Health. So I've been there for about four years, so I can say it's been an interesting four years, um, both prior to and now hopefully coming out of the pandemic. So some of the programmatic areas that I oversee include maternal child health, uh, immunizations and school health, as well as infectious diseases, and finally some really interesting work around health literacy and community health initiatives. So very excited to be on the call today and uh, looking forward to a great conversation. So Alex has a whole lot of free time, is what I just heard. <laughs> Sounds absolutely, you sound, you absolutely sound so busy. <laughs> Rachel, would you like to say hello to everyone? Yes. Hi, my name is Rachel Woods. I'm the public health outreach specialist at Licking County Health Department, and I focus on uh, three maternal and child health grants. So my first grant is the Crypture Kids Program Grant, uh, the Maternal and Child Health Program Grant, and then also the Ohio Health Improvement Zones Grant. So my journey to public health started with um, when I graduated from college uh, from Bowling Green State University um, as an environmental science uh, scientist uh, with specialization in watershed management, um, focusing um, on just improving uh, water quality and improving uh, the air and the water and everything that we drink, breathe, and uh, affect in our lives. So I came to public health um, in 2020, right before the pandemic, as a, an environmental health sanitarian. Uh, I focused a lot on contact tracing during that time period, essential business compliance, and then afterwards I transitioned into the public health outreach position. So I focus on Crypto Kids Program Grant, um, Maternal and Child Health Program Grant, and Ohio Health Improvement Zones Grant. Yeah, so we have all of those same programs at our health department, and I know they do in Franklin County as well. So you guys hear us talk all the time about how we work with other counties, and I love that you highlighted what you do because we also do that here, especially the Cribs for Kids, Maternal Child Health. It's, it's all across the state. Um, I'm going to start with a question that we ask all of our guests, um, and that is, what is public health to you? And whoever wants to take that one first. All right, well, I'll jump in here. Um, so I've always viewed public health as just the science of protecting and improving the environment, which is kind of like the textbook definition for that, textbook definition for that. But um, really, it's just, it's a very nurturing and loving field. We just want to make sure that we're making sure the water, making sure the air, making sure everything's just clean and healthy and that we're preventing disease as much as possible so that, you know, everyday people um, aren't affected and, you know, um, experiencing extra burdens due to that reason. So, Alex, I'll let you take it away. Yeah, I really love that uh, response, Rachel. I 
like to think about what is public health not. Um, and mm. I, it's really hard to determine what public health is not because it's really all around us. It's mm. really, we like to call it the best kept secret, right? When mm. we are as public health professionals doing the work and doing our job effectively, a lot of times you don't see it happening. So that includes, like Rachel was saying, from the food um, restaurant inspections. Uh, we take our um, food safety for granted, knowing that we have clean drinking water. Uh, to vaccinations that we give to our children. Uh, We are certainly seeing that here in Franklin County. Uh, We're in the middle of a measles outbreak. So certainly um, something that, you know, we take for granted that people are automatically getting their immunization. So really, I like to think of public health as us ensuring the conditions so that everybody has an opportunity for optimal health. So really, we get into what is public health, what is equity in health, um, so, yeah, so we really have a big mission, but I know uh, the professionals here in Ohio and Central Region are up for the task. You gave the same response that our health commissioner in Knox County gave when you said, what is public health not? And it's so true. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. We're everywhere. We're just, we're just everywhere. Oh, yeah. And I think that that's what makes public health so unique. But it's also really challenging because when public health is doing well, you don't know that we're there. Mm-hmm. Like we are very much behind the scenes of stuff. Yeah. So that's definitely a challenge. Absolutely. And I think for us, one of the big pieces that we're working toward doing better is telling our story. What is our public health Ooh. story? Mm-hmm. And being able to articulate that. Because I don't think we've always sold ourselves. So it's, it's the time is now if there's ever a time. So that's very absolutely. true. Very true. And then we got thrust into the spotlight during a pandemic, <laughs> which was we wanted to or not. Yes, <laughs> precisely. <laughs> Um, So we're going to talk about something called social determinants of health, and and we'll also touch on what is, um, you know, what's called health equity. And we have a textbook definition of social Mm -hmm. determinants, and that is that social determinants of health are the conditions in which people are born, grow, live, work, and age. And they include a lot of things, factors like socioeconomic status, education, your neighborhood and physical environment. So think the home that you grew up in, um, the neighborhood that you bought a home in or rent a home in your employment, your social support, and um, access to care. So basically, do you have health insurance? Do you have access to a doctor that will take your health insurance? Can you get to the doctor? Um, So that's essentially a textbook definition and a very, of course, um, broad view of what social determinants are. But I would like for our guests to try to describe social determinants and health equity in their own terms. Whoever is up for the task first. I'll jump in. Um, So when I think of social determinants of health, I just like to think of it as very simple. Everything that you're exposed to, every single thing affects your quality of life and your longevity of life. Um, So when we think of like health disparities, um, those are those disproportionate incidences of those barriers. So um, if group A um, and group B live in the same neighborhood and group A seems to have more, um, I don't know, pick any disease, they have more instances of that situation, that's, uh, those are more disparities. Those, there's a barrier to that health, that, um, sorry, a barrier to their health that is increasing those disparities with that group. So when I think of um, health equity, I think of instead of giving everyone whatever, whatever medicine that will fix that problem, um, the same medicine, we give maybe group A a little bit more of the medicine or another um, strategy or another method that will help them reduce that chance of that disease and help improve their lives. So that's kind of how I think of it. 
Yeah, I think that's a great definition. And for me, for social determinants of health, I think it's become a bit of a buzzword. Mm -hmm. Um, So we really try to simplify it and just say basic needs. It's what Mm -hmm. we need to be healthy Mm -hmm. and um, outside of health because we know that all of these other things, transportation, education, Mm -hmm. employment, they all impact health. So what is it that we need to have in our society for us all to uh, have a chance to make sure that we are as healthy as possible? And so that's what we get to with equity. I know when you were talking mm-hmm. about the whole equal versus equity mm-hmm. conversation, I, I think of the fences. I think we've all seen this, right, where oh, yeah. the kids are trying to see over it's the my baseball. favorite graphic yeah. and my favorite way to describe it. <laughs> Absolutely. So everybody's trying to see, and uh, some kid is too tall, someone is too short, so they give them the same amount of boxes. That's equal. So we gave them exactly, you know, the same, but it's not equitable because we still have a kid who can't see. We have a kid who's towering over it. So giving them the resources that they need, like Rachel was saying. And then my personal favorite, I love the the fence, but now um, I've started seeing with social justice, that is us tearing the fence down. So why do we even have a fence there in the first place? And I think Mm -hmm. that really gets to the conversation about structure Mm -hmm. and uh, institutionalized uh, discrimination and policies that we put into practice. And we shouldn't be so surprised we're getting the results that we're getting because of those things. Exactly. Absolutely. We were, um, Rachel and I were talking earlier, and one of my favorite analogies to describe um, inequities that we see in anything is a lot of times people will use baseball. Baseball girl, I'm a Guardians fan. (laughs) So um, a lot of times people will like, score in baseball, right? Like, like you score in life, you get a promotion, you, you do this and you think that it's because you hit a home run. Now, of course, if you hit a home run, that's some really hard work. You put in the work, you did what you needed to do. And yeah, of course you worked for it, but there are some times where you score in baseball because you were born on third base Mm. and there are individuals in the world and pockets and sectors of, of our community who started life maybe not even on first base but they started life in the dugout Mm -hmm. and recognizing that and it doesn't negate the fact that you got a promotion Mm -hmm. um you were able to purchase your dream home it doesn't negate that you did the hard work to get yourself there but you also have to recognize that you were born in a position different from those around you right Mm -hmm. and i think that what we have struggled with in public health is how do we how do we talk about that in a way that's not going to turn people off to saying, well, you're negating everything I've done in life, and I did still work hard. Of course you did. Mm-hmm. Everyone mm-hmm. is working hard in life. Everyone's working hard to get where they are, but it's really important to recognize that, of course, there are people who have had unequitable distributions of resources, and it has mm-hmm. kept them in the dugout in life, or they have stayed mm-hmm. on first base, and I think that that's a really important distinction to make when we're when we're talking about um inequities absolutely i think that might be my new example that some people are starting yeah. the dugout i think that's yeah a really good way of framing it not everybody starts at the same place i heard that somewhere i didn't totally come up with it on my own i but i cannot remember <laughs> where either um yeah, I can't remember where, but I can't take full credit for it, so I'm, I'm not going to try. You could have, you could have faked it. We yeah. would have, we would have like, that's we amazing, Carmen. That's epic. No, Julie Miller and Zach Green trained me to be very honest. <laughs> and so did my mother, so she would, you know, she there you go about that. Um, so one of the things that I think a lot of people also don't understand is that health inequities and social determinants look different, in in every area. So Knox County is a very rural area. We have unique issues. Um, that maybe Franklin County doesn't see or that Licking County doesn't see. Franklin County obviously is 
has Columbus. Um, mm-hmm. So definitely more of an urban area. Licking County, we consider more suburban. Of course, yeah. it has its... It's right in the middle. Yeah, it has mm-hmm. its rural rural parts. Um, and I would say there's maybe some rural parts to Franklin. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. So some of our townships. Yeah, mm-hmm. you're very mm-hmm. unique in that you've got mm-hmm. urban areas, you've got <laughs> suburban areas, and you've got rural areas. Mm-hmm. So I would really love to dive into what... Um, what social determinants look like differently in different areas of the state. So I'd love to hear like your kind of more your own experiences dealing within your counties. I think that's an excellent question. Um, and so Franklin County, just for a bit of uh, context. So we in the entire county, we have about 1.3 million individuals. Uh, we have two public health departments that service all of Franklin County. Our um, colleagues at Columbus Public Health, they service about 800,000 um, in the oh, wow. cities of Columbus and Worthington, yep. And then we service the rest. So if you kind of look at the at Franklin County, you'll look at the center, that's uh, Columbus Public Health, and then we service about 500,000 individuals. So um, it's across 44 cities, villages, and townships. And like Carmen mentioned earlier, there is uh, a uniqueness to each of those areas, and not each one is the same. Mm-hmm. Um, we see um, perhaps in some of our more rural or more suburban issues with transportation, the lack of good public um, reliable transportation. Um, you know, I'm looking at my uh, colleague from Licking County, and we have a lot of conversations about intel and what that's oh, yes. going to mean for us mm-hmm. in our community. I'm sure <laughs> Knox County is as well. Oh, yeah. I looked at the, the Mid-Ohio Regional Planning Commission map, and I think it's like there are 16 counties or something that can be within an hour of intel. So just thinking wow. about that population and that group of, which is amazing, the what's coming to that community, but just thinking about mm-hmm. all of us and the infrastructure around it that we need to make sure that we're prepared for. Mm-hmm. Um, another area I think that's unique for us is that we have a lot of new Americans that are in our community, mm-hmm. uh, either refugee or uh, like what was... Um, Uh, What we know about our Somali population, we have the second highest Somali population in Franklin County um, in the United States. So certainly there's some uh, unique uh, conditions and unique needs that are needed there. So English as a second language, um, high quality medical interpreters. uh, And I think, you know, making sure that, again, that whole equity conversation, we're giving the right resource for the for the right individual or community. So Mm -hmm. I guess those are a couple of things that come to mind. We still struggle with food insecurity in our area. Um, We were talking a few minutes before we started and about with the pandemic and when people couldn't get um, their meals at schools. Mm -hmm big issue, big concern that we see. And I know our food bank partners have been stretched and are still trying to build up after that. So um, I'm curious to hear from Rachel what she's seen in Licking County. Well, Alex, I um, I agree with your one statement about how um, helping each community get the resources that they need specifically. And as I look through Licking County, as it is, it is part rural, it's part suburban, It's there's small urban areas, it's very diverse and each area has its own needs. So when I think about um, some of our more rural areas, uh, when it comes to programs and incentives for them to come out to you, maybe like a vaccine clinic or maybe like a um, food food supply or anything like that, they're less likely to go to those events for um, whatever reasons that the community has. Um, so when I think about that versus um, our maybe like deep down in Newark where there's uh, more walkability, um, people are more inclined to walk, but there's lack of transportation, so there's that issue. So I just, whenever I think about each community, um, when I think about all of Wicking County, I think about just that the diversity of each community on itself. So when I think about like helping those communities, you really have to like focus on what that one community needs. Um, and then us being uh, neighbors to Franklin, mm-hmm. we have a pretty large Nepali community. So we've we've started to uh, we have our new um, 
satellite clinic out in Pataskala to sort of help out that community. And like you were saying, Alex, about having better um, interpreters for services, mm -hmm. we're trying to improve that. Um, but yeah, just when I think about like my community and other communities, we're all, we all have different needs, but we're all somehow the same. We all have the same mm -hmm. needs, just in different pockets mm -hmm. of that town. So it's really, it's really interesting looking at it that way. Yeah, what about Knox County, Carmen? So um, Knox County is, is pretty unique in that I would consider us 100% rural, maybe 90% rural. If you, if you, you could argue Mount Vernon itself is the only city that we have, mm. the city of Mount Vernon, and the rest of our areas are villages or townships. Um, those You guys drove in today. You probably drove through what used to be cornfields that have now been cut down or soybean fields. Um, and the rurality of Knox County is what makes it so great. Um, and I think that but we do. We have unique challenges. And it was really interesting to hear you mention transportation because I think in my brain I was thinking, oh, transportation in an urban area might not be an issue because you've got CODA, you've mm -hmm. got you've mm -hmm. campus buses for Ohio mm -hmm. State. Um, and so that was really interesting to hear. So I, I learned something new yeah, today. And yeah. we really struggle with transportation because we have outer reaches of the county that if you don't have a car, it's yeah. not like, you know, Uber's not really popular around. It's getting there. Um, it's not like you can just easily call an Uber. If you don't have mm -hmm. someone in your life, this goes back to social and community context. If you don't have someone in your life who can just come pick you up, mm -hmm. that transportation to the grocery store to get your food, right, to the doctor, that becomes a huge challenge. So oh, yeah. I, I kind of thought that rural communities were isolated in their transportation mm -hmm. issues. So it, it is really interesting to hear um, transportation being mentioned by definitely a more urban area. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but it kind of makes me feel like, oh, we're not alone in this. No, absolutely not alone. <laughs> it's not everywhere. Alone. We're, all, we're all different. Yeah, we're all the same. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think there's that uh, intersectionality, right? Mm -hmm. Like yeah. we're all, you know, yeah, we're more alike than we are different. Yes. Exactly. Um, and then I think, too, for us, we um, our, our Spanish-speaking population is growing tremendously. Oh. Um, and we are also seeing our racial makeup change. Uh, Knox County, in the last probably 10 years, are, um, we've been rather racially, racially homogenous. We flutter around like 964 to 5% white. Um, but we are seeing that change. So with that will come... Um, additional, you know, things for us to consider as a public health department, because right. we know that um, our community members, our black and brown community members do face um, poor health outcomes. So what do we have to adjust to as a health department, um, especially as we're seeing our Spanish speaking population grow as well? Do we have interpreters um, on site? Do we have information printed in mm -hmm. in Spanish. When we survey our community, do we have a Spanish option available? Because they are mm -hmm. members of our community, but if they can't read our survey, they can't offer their opinion. Very mm -hmm. true. Um, Very true. So I think just accounting, our biggest challenge is going to be accounting for how much Knox County is changing. Because as Franklin mm -hmm. County and as Licking County continue to grow, um, that spreads into Knox mm -hmm. County. So Absolutely. we see the makeup of our county changing, which is a wonderful thing um, because when you bring in more diversity, you bring in more ideas, you bring in mm -hmm. more community. Um, so mm -hmm. it's slow, but we're definitely seeing changes in growth. Um, and we as a health department and other agencies have to be prepared for that. But I, I would say transportation um, and then we are considered a medically underserved area for, mm. um, we were for a while. I'm not sure if we still actually meet that threshold so I will fact check myself <laughs> um but for for dentistry that was definitely that was a huge reason as to why we have the clinic here on site um was for dental services and then um I would say for mental health and behavioral health services as well mm -hmm. so that the access to care piece too um having doctors that will accept 
Medicare, Medicaid, things like that. And we do, we do. Um, I just don't know if we have enough right now as our population continues to grow. And then also can people get to them? Because so many of them are concentrated in in the center of of Knox County where Mount Vernon is located. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, those are some excellent points. Absolutely. So we just talked about how different all of our communities are. Mm -hmm. And um, they're not, these responses to how we, rise to the challenge that, you know, trying to close those barriers um, and, and what we see in social determinants and close those equity barriers, they're not one size fits all. Mm-hmm. Um, so what's going to work in Franklin County is not mm-hmm. going to maybe necessarily work in Knox County or Licking County. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you feel like that helps us? But also how do you feel like that creates a challenge for us in public health? Well, I'll jump in. Um, I think it's one, it's very mentally stimulating and it keeps you on your toes because you're constantly going to that community and saying, what do you want? How can I fix it? And then trying to meet that community's need that way and reshaping it constantly. So you're constantly going back to the drawing board. Um, And I think, so, I mean, it helps us in that way, but also it challenges them in that way. So they're kind of just the same answer there. (laughs) Yeah. I love that. Yeah. 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 I think it gives us the opportunity, like you were saying, to really uh, have those meaningful conversations with our community members and not, you know, sometimes I think public health, we we have in the past and not so long ago past, I think we come in with a program and we're like, here, this is what we're going to do in your community, regardless Mm -hmm. of input, regardless of feedback, even if it's been done in a community that doesn't look anything or have the same challenges that this one does. So knowing that we don't have one size fits all approaches, I think is a big um, benefit there. But I will Mm -hmm. say on the policy and advocacy front, that can be a little bit challenging when we are trying to make some of those big global, you know, big P changes, uh, Mm -hmm. not having uh, some of that standardization. But I do think that a lot of us as public health agencies that we align pretty well when it comes to the issues. Uh, It just might be the application that might look a little different. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. You said that perfectly because it does, it kind of does boil down to policy change because we know that, you know, we can do program after program in our, in our counties, but um, on a state level, on a federal level, we have to have policies that support mm-hmm. the efforts that we are making on a county level or even on um, a city level. If you want to, you know, Columbus Public Health, mm-hmm. Cleveland Public Health. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. The, the have the policies that support that are crucial, but they don't necessarily always fit everyone's needs. So exactly. I think and it, I think they need to kind of be left open to a little bit more interpretation. Like maybe a broader mm. policy is a little more helpful than being so specific yeah. we saw that i think with um like when all the opioid funding came came down oh, yeah. and it was specifically earmarked for opioid education and prevention and then here in knox county um opioids stopped being our number one like thing that we were seeing out in in the community we started seeing a lot more um, methamphetamine use oh, okay. so and you couldn't use that a lot that? of that funding the way that it was earmarked it was harder to utilize it oh. um for you know, just general drug prevention and education, which is what mm-hmm. we needed yeah. here. Yeah. Um, and we've been lucky that we've been able to access more funding for that. We're very, very lucky and fortunate to have a drug-free communities grant here in Knox County mm-hmm. um, that is operated by KSAT, which is the Knox Substance Abuse Action Team. But um, when that funding was earmarked just specific to opioid, that was definitely a challenge because it didn't yeah. fit our community specifically, but it probably would have fit mm-hmm. in Franklin County and in mm-hmm. Licking County, I bet. Right, mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. I think that's an excellent point. I think it shows some of that unintended consequence of policy. Exactly. Like we, you know, sometimes don't think through when things are enacted and, you know, what, you know, 
if it's not broad enough, if it's not, you know, enough yeah. community input, then, you know, what could those un unintentional consequences be? Mm -hmm. So that was a really good example. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So we've, you've heard us talk about the social determinants, and, and I think you guys are, those listening, you have a general idea of, <laughs> of what that means. And it is, I like Alex saying that it was, it's your basic needs. Um, but expanding beyond that, it's understanding that basic needs are not just what we've, you know, taught in school. It's not just like food, water, shelter. Mm -hmm. right. mm -hmm. It's beyond that too. It's access mm -hmm. to employment. It's access to education. Um, those are basic needs. And those of us in public health would probably argue that those are a human right. Oh, Absolutely. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. So, and they're all connected in some way, shape or form. So if you have, if you don't have great access to education, your economic opportunities, because your employment opportunities are not going to be the same mm -hmm. as someone who was able to go to college or go to a trade school and, and learn um, a skill. But do you feel that out of all the social determinants and how they're all interconnected, do you feel in particular that there is an area that is most pressing or a certain social determinant that you think needs the most attention? I would say in Franklin County, we are definitely in a housing crisis. Uh, we Ooh, have a agreed. lack of affordable housing. So, um, and we know that the, the cost of living continues to go up, and that is not going in stride with our wages that are going up. So there's really an opportunity, and I, I think a challenge, but I like to think of it more of as an opportunity for us to come together and figure out how we make sure that every individual has a place to call home. Um, I would think it would be extremely difficult. I feel very fortunate that I have not been in that place, but to be housing insecure, to not oh, know where yeah. I'm going to be at night, how do we expect anybody else to have um, the other things that they need? How do you expect them to be concentrating on getting that advanced degree or completing that trade school? So I think for us, housing is one of our critical areas within Franklin County. Yeah, I agree with that, Alex, as well. Housing as well for Licking County, extremely critical right now. And if um, one thing that I discussed with some colleagues like a week or so ago is that, yes, there are certain determinants of health that are more pressing at the moment, but they kind of all work together in this ecosystem. So if, like you're saying, if you, um, if you, you don't have a house to go home to, that's another stressor in life that's adding chronic stress to your life, then you're, you can't, you know, make it to work maybe on time, or you can't, you know, do these other basic needs that you need to survive and get to your doctor's appointment. So it's really this, like, ecosystem that we need to keep in harmony with each other. But yes, I definitely agree housing, especially with just this past, like what, two years of the housing market. So I really, um, I hope that we'll be able to address that soon, sooner rather than later. Absolutely. Yeah. I think um, in Knox County, I would say uh, transportation for sure, um, just because of, of how rural we are. And we have some very rural parts to this county, but um, and, and we saw this with COVID, and, and I think in rural counties, you'll you'll probably see people answer similar to me. And the social and community context is huge um, because we saw a lot of isolation mm -hmm. during COVID um, when people really weren't allowed to to go out and and interact in their community in the way that they did. Especially if you live in a rural area um, and you don't have internet, it may be hard to believe, but there are parts of Knox County that aren't equipped to have wireless internet. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, there are places, our former health commissioner, Julie Miller, I don't think she would mind if I shared this. I'm going to do it anyway. Sorry, Julie. <laughs> um, where she lives in the county is not that rural. I mean, it's rural and she's got land around her, but it's not, it, it's mind boggling to me that for the, mm -hmm. they had like a hotspot to operate off of, not wow. equipped to have oh, wow. wi like wireless internet. And it, it, she's not that far outside of Mount Vernon. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. So, mm -hmm. I think that understanding that, you know, because we're so rural, we do lack a little bit of connectivity. Um, and I think that that's, we saw that as a big issue um, and COVID brought, uh, 
brought light to that. But then additionally, too, without, you know, that connectivity piece, um, mm-hmm. education is lacking because how are you, you know, we had exactly. kids trying to do school. Mm-hmm. How are you supposed to do school, um, you know, without Internet? So I, I think the rural communities have to focus on how do we connect more mm-hmm. yeah. um, to our, our counties around us. Um, that's probably the biggest one for us because then you open up doors for everything. Education, mm-hmm. um, you open up doors for social connectedness, um, and then you open up doors for transportation because then you can get on your trusty computer mm-hmm. and call yourself a ride with Knox right. Area Transit. Sure. So mm-hmm. I would say transportation and then the, the connectedness piece for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think yeah. some of those things that we take for granted, I you know, exactly. at least in Franklin, because I, you know, I... I wouldn't even thought that there was areas in Knox County that wouldn't have Wi-Fi access. So mm-hmm. um, thanks for sharing that. And I yeah. think, is there any conversation about you guys uh, opening type of transit here or any type of? Buster? Yeah. So Knox County, we have something called the Knox Area Transit. They're doing phenomenal, phenomenal work. Um, we are in the process of moving um, towards more operating hours. But of oh. course, that, re- that requires staff. Right. Um, we just opened a what's essentially considered a closed loop um, where people can ride um, for free or a dollar or there's, it's a very low cost okay. and the loop is us, the hospital, Walmart. Um, so it, it runs, oh. there's, there's more on the loop, but it runs basically to all your essential services that would be around the city. Oh, that's awesome. Um, we also mm-hmm. are there, there are cat um, buses that are able to take people out to our industrial park. So where, you know, a lot of our factories are um, and people are working, they can get out to the factories to get to their job if they need to. CAT also does, um, like, basically call service. So if you need a ride, you can call the CAT um, buses and say, hey, I need a ride, and you can schedule a ride ahead of time. I have to go to the doctor at 1.30. Mm-hmm. Um, it's my doctor's office is here. I live here, and they'll tell you, okay, we can, we'll pick you up at this time. Wow. That's wonderful. Um, That's yeah, awesome so resource. we do have yeah. really we have a really well established transit, and we have people um, that work within that system. Martin McAvoy and um, Susie Simpson that are incredibly passionate, and are, they do great work um, with the limited resources that they have because mm-hmm. it's not. I mean, they'll they'll tell you funding to pay staff, yeah. funding oh, to yeah. have vehicles. Mm-hmm. Um, right. That is so important. Mm-hmm. So. We're, we're getting there and it's, it's, it's okay. progress. The, the closed loop that I talked about is new as of a few months ago that oh, wow. started. So very, very proud of that. Um, that was a initiative out of our community health improvement plan as well. Oh, wow. oh congratulations. So, thank yeah. you. That's great news. Yeah. It That's was basically like a expand, like we left it very broad. It was like expand transportation. <laughs> like, <laughs> mm-hmm. How do we mm-hmm. do that? Mm-hmm. Um, sounds like you did it. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah really. And so we at the health center as well, we offer waivers for, cat so if you maybe can't afford to have um the knox area transit buses come pick you up we offer waivers for that so they'll come take you here for free our front desk staff at the health center is phenomenal they'll help you schedule it um so there's definitely opportunity um and a lot of it is is selling ourselves too how do we tell people that we have cat Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. how do we tell people that this Mm -hmm. is available Mm -hmm. to them Mm -hmm. um because we are the best way to get it out yeah Mm -hmm. yeah and we i mean we're such a culture of cars too you know well Mm -hmm. completely like i feel like that's all of ohio yeah Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. very very car reliant and that's not a bad thing um Mm -hmm. but also we have other opportunities for transportation Mm -hmm. so and I, I see transportation expanding for Knox and for Licking, um, connecting to Coda down mm-hmm. in Franklin County mm-hmm. um, sooner rather than later. I know Licking County Transit's, um, I think they're currently in the deal process of being bought out by Coda. Oh. So we'll, hopefully something will expand into Knox and we can get better um, connectivity 
between all the counties and that'll really make a difference on improve everyone's life. I know a lot of our residents go to Franklin County for all, majority of their medical services. Right. So, and I'm sure a lot of Knox County, they go to Licking County or even Franklin. So yeah. we have residents that travel um, to, to Franklin County for sure, especially for mm -hmm. a lot of specialty services right. or if yes. they need surgical care. Mm -hmm. um, if you are pregnant and you're a high risk pregnancy or let, let's say you give birth at Knox um, mm -hmm. Community Hospital, but mm -hmm. you have a difficult birth or you have a NICU baby and that baby needs transferred right. to a more higher level of care. What if you don't have a car? Like, how do you oh, go wow. visit your baby? Right. Yeah. When there are in uh, children's downtown. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah. it's it's a lot to think about. And, and when we, mm -hmm. we talk about funding infrastructure and policy infrastructure, I think it's really easy to forget that there are real people with real stories who need help on the other end of those right. decisions. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We kind of touched on this a little bit, but do you guys want to provide any examples from the field? Like, you know, brag about your counties, brag about the work you guys have been doing. I just talked about mm -hmm. our transit for the last five <laughs> minutes. So yeah. it is your turn. Let's, let's, oh. let's brag. All right. All right. So I had to make a list because we, we've done a lot and I'm very proud She's of She's got us. a whole list. I love, a list for I love everyone. it. Here we go. <laughs> Um, but I'll, I'll start with um, our vaccine equity clinics. So during the COVID-19 pandemic, there were a lot of um, neighborhoods and census tracts that um, had a reduced amount of, or sorry, uh, not as many vaccinations as other parts of the county. So we went out into those counties. We set up at like local churches, local schools to set up vaccination clinics. So that I'm very proud of that. We tried to reach out to people. Um, I wasn't part of that, but that was our nursing division and I love them for that. Um, then we also have our um, children at medical handicaps program where we provide funding um, for children with medical disabilities. Um, we ha we've done um, cultural inclusivity training. So to connect more with our Nepali population as they're growing and we're so excited to um, understand uh, their culture and how we can work with them to help them get better services. Um, we have our breast cancer and cervical cancer and SAS program that provide um, funding for um, diagnostics and mammograms uh, for women um, who are currently um, undergoing those cancer treatments. Uh, we have our veggie vans to our areas that are um, food deserts and food swamps. I know Franklin County has probably a few food swamps. I love that new term. <laughs> um, our drug overdose program, we send uh, Narcan kits to homes. Um, we provide radon testing kits to um, the county just because Licking County has very high instances of radon, which, as you know, is the second leading cause of lung cancer. Um, our WIC um, Women, Infant, and Children program provides supplemental nutrition and education. We have our leads, Early Head Start. I'm going fast because there's just so much to mention. <laughs> um, but then also and then my programs to toot my own horn. Um, we have our Crips for Kids program, which I think all of our counties have, where we're helping reduce sudden infant death syndrome by providing safer sleeping spaces and education. Um, our maternal and child health program grant this year, I'm, I'm not fully in the piloting. I'm out of the piloting program for our Uber health program to help women attend their WIC appointments. And then ideally expanding out to other programs in the county, um, cause access to care was a big issue and lack of transportation to these appointments, um, impacted their lives. Um, and then our Ohio health improvement zone grant, which is my last grant that I'm working on, <laughs> um, just working with areas that have the highest air, um, level of social vulnerability. So highest, um, incidence of these social determinants of health and trying to figure out what they want and what we can do to make their lives a little bit better. So I'm done tooting my horn. Man. On to you, Franklin. Wait, <laughs> I, have, I have a question. Mm -hmm. What's a food swamp? Yes, thank you oh, for yay. asking. I wanted yay. to know the same thing. Okay. That. okay, so food desert, you know, those are areas where there's just like zero grocery stores. There's right. not a lot of fast food. So a food swamp is a place that has a lot of unhealthy food um, options. Oh. So, right, you got like, well... I won't put any name brands out there, but those fried food places and a lot of fast food places. Yeah. 
and you know grocery stores that maybe just have like pop tarts and other things so uh, yeah that's a new new return i love it just because i love saying swamps i love talking about swamps anyway so <laughs> it's your environmental health from the environmental yeah, health that's what it is that's yeah. what it is yeah which swamps are still helpful for the environment so <laughs> there you go yeah. that whole ecosystem exactly mm-hmm. yeah i love that term I isn't too. it great because if like you say it. food desert i feel like people don't understand because they're like wait but there's a, I'm going to call out names. I don't care. There's a McDonald's. <laughs> there's a, there's a McDonald's. There's a Burger King. And I'm like, mm-hmm. where's your, do you have any vegetables? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So that's a food swamp. I love it. So run with it. Yeah. Spread it like wildfire. I am going to definitely use that. Oh, yeah. I don't think I've heard it before. I'm going to talk to our team about that. That's oh, yeah. awesome. It's good. That's awesome. Well, I think all the things that Rachel shared, I mean, mm-hmm. just hearing all the work that is going on at Licking County is really commendable. Um, for us, one of the areas that we concentrated a lot over the last year and a half um, with the the murder of George Floyd was our Mm -hmm. declaration of racism as a public health crisis. Um, A lot of things uh, institutionalized and stem from from that uh, racist structure that uh, we were built on here. Mm -hmm. But um, with that, we wanted to put our action, that declaration into action. So we have our equity advisory council within our agency. Mm -hmm. So we have about 40 agencies, uh, don't quote me, I could get that number, that we have a diverse makeup across the, the county that come and provide guidance and um, counsel and consultation to us on our activities. And one of the ones that um, when Rachel mentioned about her vaccine clinics, one of the areas we were realizing is that we were seeing disparities among our population groups, mm-hmm. specifically our, our folks of color, our black and brown individuals were not being vaccinated at the rate that our white individual um, residents were So instead of us going out there to get the word out, because, you know, sometimes I think we need to be culturally humble and realize sometimes we're not the trusted messenger. Mm -hmm. Uh, We worked with some of our equity advisory council partners to go out and do that outreach. So they set up clinics. They did uh, door to door. They were out there really making it kind of fun. And they were individuals that were already trusted in their communities. So with that, we had partnerships with our Asian American coalition, our African-American Male Wellness Agency, our Central Ohio Hispanic Coalition. Um, We had some really unique opportunities there. And then later we were able to expand that to our LGBTQ partnership as well. So really just some, uh, I guess, thinking outside the box uh, ways that we can make sure we're taking care of our community. And then I do want to give an environmental health example because, you know, my (laughs) environmental health friend here, one of the areas around food safety Um, A lot of times there's a lot of compliance, and rightfully so. We don't want people to get sick. But, you know, we have a large amount of uh, operators who English isn't their first language that are coming from other countries, but all of our materials are in English. So how do we expect them to be the best that they can be? So many kudos to our environmental health team. Uh, They translated, I want to say, like 10 or 15 different languages, the handbooks, the serve safes, into those other languages so that operators could have the best opportunity. So I think that's that whole being equitable. Um, So, you know, we're telling them to follow these processes and procedures, but, you know, they're already kind of at a disadvantage because they're reading them in a language that isn't their natural, you know, or their... Mm -hmm. their, preferred language. So that was one of the areas that we really tried to take an equitable approach to make sure that everybody had the best information. So that's fantastic. Yeah. Go Franklin. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, I thought, yeah, Sarah Jensen, I will yeah. call her out. She did amazing with that. That's awesome. I love hearing all of the things that are that's going on in, in both Franklin and Licking County. And it's not just Franklin and Licking and Knox County that are doing this work too. There are counties all around Ohio. There are counties and states across, um, our nation that are doing similar work with, with the intent and the goal of making people's lives better. And I think that that's really what it boils down to. Um, 
in Knox County, we also have done a lot of work on translating our environmental health documents. Um, Shout out to Mount Vernon Nazarene University for partnering with us. Um, Some of their professors, Mandarin, Chinese is their their first language, so they are helping us with that translation, um, as well as Spanish. So very glad that we could partner with them, and I think leveraging those community um, partnerships is really important. So it was awesome because I certainly wasn't going to trust Google Translate right. to do that. Oh, no. So no do especially with something <laughs> as with something as like important as like not just oh I'm not like getting a, t- a tattoo. It's like these are documents that explain how to keep yeah. people safe. Like, like we very have specific had, yes, and very specific. Mm-hmm. So. Very, very grateful that we could partner with them. Um, But I think out of Knox County, what we have been really intentional about doing, um, and this also stemmed from the murder of George Floyd, was talking about health inequities. And um, some those of you that are listening, you'll remember that um, we had a story that ran in the Mount Vernon News that said that we passed a statement that said racism is a public health crisis. Parts of that are true. Parts of that were not true. Um, It was a drafted proposal um, that went before our board. um, And then it ran in the news. And one of the things that we learned from that, from the response of our Mm -hmm. community, is that our community was not ready necessarily to have that conversation. Mm -hmm. And that's not to say that that's not true, because we know that racism is a public health issue. Mm -hmm. Um, But what that told us was that we have to approach things from a different angle in a community that is 96.4% white Mm -hmm. because there's a whole different um, sort of context that we have to talk about and we have to also talk about socioeconomic inequities because that's what our community members have seen Mm -hmm. and that's what they're able to understand Mm -hmm. and what um, one of the things that I had to kind of um, learn and, and this was a period of growth for me was understanding that this work is too important to just simply not do it because it's not exactly how you want to do it. Right. Mm -hmm. So I took Mm -hmm. a step back. A lot of us that do this work here, we all took a step back and we said, okay, it's really important to meet our community where they are. Mm -hmm. And it's also really important to talk about issues that resonate with our community. So what we ended up doing was passing a statement that said health inequities are a public health crisis. And that resonated so much better. And, And I finally, it was like an aha moment for me where I was like, okay, Mm -hmm. now we're going to get somewhere because now we can start really doing this education. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that that spoke volumes about our community too, just because it's not that, oh, they don't want to sit down and have these conversations. It was almost like an understanding just because of what they had been exposed to. Mm -hmm. So in taking a step back and in doing something that um, met our community where they are and and releasing that statement, one of the things that we said we were going to do as an agency is do some health and equity training for our staff, mm-hmm. because if we're out here talking about health inequities and right. you know, I have my health commissioner and I talking about health inequities and um, our staff isn't aware and, and, and yeah. aren't understanding those concepts and it, it's not really going to go anywhere. So we built a health equity toolkit. Um, it's not in its entirety complete yet. And that part of that's my, perfe- I see that. part of that's my mm-hmm. perfectionism. Yeah. I just don't think I'm like not, it's not quite there yet, but it's going to get there guys. I promise. Um, <laughs> And essentially what it was was a way for us to introduce social determinants on a very introductory level Mm -hmm. to our staff. And the intent is eventually to release that out to our community. So I'm incredibly proud of the work that went into building that. Um, I presented on that at the American Public Health Association, and I was incredibly proud to talk about 
our staff embracing these topics because mm-hmm. they are uncomfortable. They are. Mm-hmm. They are. And, and, and there's nothing wrong with saying this is an uncomfortable conversation to have. Yeah. But it's so important to have. And, and I'm very proud of Knox County in general for being open and receptive mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. a statement that said health inequities are a public health crisis. And so, mm-hmm. you know, those of you that are listening that don't work in this space every day, um, I, as someone who had, was hands-on in developing that, I am incredibly proud of this community for being open and willing um, to kind of have those really difficult conversations. So kudos to, to Knox mm-hmm. County, of course. Um, but yeah, that's what we've been doing that I think is is really important um, in, in the health equity space. So very excited to perfect. I don't know yeah. if it'll ever be perfect, but... Perfect that health <laughs> equity toolkit. Well, perfection <laughs> doesn't exist. Yes, and I just want to say you can't yeah. let, and I think the whole moral of all of this in public health is you can't let perfect get in the way of good because mm. yeah. work mm-hmm. is too critical and important. So I absolutely agree with you. I think Knox County embracing the health inequities, yeah. that is huge because oh, yeah. you're right. These conversations are hard. They are tough, mm-hmm. but it is meeting where the people are. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think even just having the conversation is a huge win. Yeah. That mm-hmm. is a win if you yeah. think mm-hmm. about it. Just Thank not you. ignoring it. Yeah. I think that's a big thing. And you that's know, so true. and each community looks and has a different feel and flavor. So mm-hmm. kudos to Knox County Public Health on oh, yeah. on doing that. And I look forward to seeing that toolkit like next week. Yes, please share it with us. <laughs> I will we're gonna when we stop recording this, I'll show you guys what it looks like. But Ooh. what I like about it too is that we tried to gear it um, t- towards a little bit more of a rural aspect because a lot of times um, when we talk about social determinants and we talk about health equity, things are approached from a very urban lens. Right. Mm-hmm. And when they're approached from a very urban lens, they're also approached from a very racial lens. Mm-hmm. And that type of information and, and talking about issues in that way does not resonate right. in, the, in this type of area. And there is nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's important. So when we say that, you know, Knox County is 96, I'm going to keep saying it, 0.4% <laughs> white, there is nothing wrong with that. Right. It is the makeup of this county mm-hmm. and it is what it is. So we have to meet the community where they are and give mm-hmm. them information that is going to resonate. So taking it from a, just a blanket inequity standpoint mm-hmm. did so much more um, than trying to fit into the mold of what everyone else around mm-hmm. us was doing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You got to make it your own. Yeah. Wow. Got all this great work going on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, great. Very proud of Central Ohio. <laughs> yeah, good job, yeah, Central Ohio. Very proud. <laughs> but all of this, uh, you know, every state, I'm sure every state's doing something amazing. At the same time. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's a lot of great work going on. When I left APHA, mm-hmm. I was like, wow. Right, <laughs> right. So how do we communicate that? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Exactly. We need one giant public health podcast. Mm-hmm. There oh. probably is one. Mm-hmm. I think APHA has a podcast, I'm, I'm pretty sure. Or one massive meeting where we all just talk about everything great that we're doing and yeah. share ideas. We would yeah. be there forever. Forever. But you get so fired up and inspired. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 That would be, like, yeah. mentally exhausting. Yes, completely. Yes, yes. Because then, then you would be like, well, then you would be like, oh, my God. Every how do we, burden. We need to do all of these things. And you'd be like, wait, I can't. Uh, no, no. Yeah. Not everything. Yeah. yeah. Every opportunity has its time, right? Yeah. So exactly. Exactly. We would be Sometimes talking. Pick out the top two. We'll yeah. focus on those. I'd be talking to, like, someone from Colorado talking about, like, mountain safety or something. You know, so, oh, something. Yeah. And I'd be like, yeah. wow, we need to do that. Uh, we don't have any mountains. No. no. Like, no. I know. With foothills. I'd get and then I'd be like, wait a second. <laughs> um, okay, so I think 
if you have not picked up on the fact that these are big, broad issues and there's not a, a one solution, there's not one policy, there's not a certain level of funding that's going to fix this. Um, this did not happen overnight. Uh, the system that was built and, and the inequities that it has helped create did not happen overnight. But if you had a magic wand, if somebody gave you a magic wand and said, you can wave this and these solutions um, would this would be a solution. Things would be fixed. What do you think you would you would ask for? Mm, that's a hard one. Compl- so hard. It's so I'm hard. hoping Rachel goes first. Or <laughs> Carver's. Because I don't know. I'm- so if I had a magic wand, okay, no pollution ever, right? So no, no environmental pollution. We're just going to get rid of all there that. So no long-term diseases, but then also get rid of stress, get, get rid of racism, get rid of discrimination, get rid of ableism, anything you can think of. But unfortunately, that's not going to happen. But, I mean... What a great utopian we would live in at that moment. Yeah. So we're getting rid of all the isms. All isms. the isms. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I think that's an awesome one. Yeah. It's a good solution. All the stress. All the chronic stress. Yeah. 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 I think stress is so key because I think stress and that stems, I think it has the trickle down effect. Mm, I was thinking, mm-hmm. I'm like, I would get rid of any type of violence. That would be my thing. But I think stress. Oh, yeah. But then also, I guess if we're going upstream, it's like, why are people committing these stress? acts? It's mm-hmm. like, oh, it's because, you know, they're in a situation that they don't see any other way out of. Why are mm-hmm. they in that situation? Because of the system. So mm-hmm. let's get rid of all the isms. And yeah. I'm not a per- proponent of just dismantling all the systems but i think mm-hmm. we need to do a critical review and yes. uh and have some like real fixing mm-hmm. um so mm-hmm. that is definitely a major that is a magic wand oh, yeah. that is like fairy godmother but that's oh, yeah. what i would do i like that i like that and i like what you said that it's not necessarily you know we have these systems in this country for a reason and mm-hmm. I, there's nothing wrong with taking a step back and saying you know what this could be better for everyone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's, there's no. That's not to say that the people that work in that system are bad or wrong right. or they're doing anything wrong. The mm-hmm. system that we have was built two hundred plus years ago. Right. Mm-hmm. So We're in that system. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. we are, and public health is a part of that system. Oh yeah. We we work in that system. So you mm-hmm. could argue that you know if you think that the system is not working, we are absolutely part of that. So right. let's have those conversations on how do we make it better. Mm-hmm. Um, not necessarily point fingers and say this is what you're doing wrong. Yeah. No without offering solutions. Right. So I think mm-hmm. having a more positive conversation around how we can improve it versus pointing out all the things that are wrong about it mm-hmm. is really critical. Because mm-hmm. you catch, what's the phrase? You catch more flies with honey. Absolutely. Oh, yes. Vinegar. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> and I love, that's mm-hmm. one of the things I love about Rachel's grant, about how it's called the Ohio, I think, health opportunity yep. zones. Because I think we look mm-hmm. at things so much from a deficit all the time. Mm-hmm. But exactly. really, it's not, I mean, we have so many opportunities. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I love what you guys were saying on that. Mm-hmm. I think if I had a magic wand, um, I I would wave it and I would help everyone understand these concepts. These are tough, tough concepts to conceptualize, especially when Mm -hmm. you're being made to feel like because you were born in a certain place or born Mm -hmm. looking a certain way that Mm -hmm. you have an advantage over someone else. Mm -hmm. And it can feel very personal and it can definitely feel Mm -hmm. like an attack. And those Mm -hmm. feelings are very, very valid. Mm -hmm. So I think what I would want is for everyone to be educated on these topics and to understand that it's not a one versus one or Mm -hmm. me versus you, us Mm -hmm. versus them. Mm -hmm. It's the fact that the way that the system is built benefits certain people and it harms other people. Mm -hmm. And it's not because 
of you. So it's not, yeah. a, it's not a personal front at all. And mm-hmm. I think understanding that and, and the empathy that comes with once you understand that yeah. is like once, once I think once it clicks and it, it took me a minute too. like, I, I learned mm-hmm. a lot of this, um, but once it clicks, it's, it kind of like everything else falls into place and you're like, exactly. Oh, okay. Right. Exactly. No, I get it. So I would just love more education and I would love more empathy, I think. Yeah. Empathy. That's so critical. That's a mm-hmm. really good way of explaining that. Cause you're mm-hmm. right. I mean, these are hard conversations. And even if, you know, one person, you know, I'll just use myself as an example. Like I'm a, a biracial woman, but I am uh, heterosexual. So I don't have that, the challenge of being, you know, perhaps mm-hmm. a homosexual or having another sexual orientation. So I think there's different layers of like, privilege and that type of thing and those are hard conversations to have Mm -hmm. and it's not like pointing fingers and saying oh you're bad or you're good that type of thing or you should do something I mean it's just I think having an awareness exactly of that and knowing and then using Mm -hmm. that for good to bring everybody else up with you like that Mm -hmm. whole empathy conversation Mm -hmm. like okay I want everybody to be at the same you know Mm -hmm. the equity we want everybody to have the same opportunity yeah my favorite quote ever is a rising tide lifts all boats so, true. Mm-hmm. so no matter what, mm-hmm. no matter where you are in life, no matter what you look like, no matter what your orientation is, how much money you have, when we lift up the most vulnerable in our society, we are all lifted up. Right. And mm-hmm. I think that that like that sums up the work that everyone's trying to do. Oh yeah, that's public so, health in a nutshell. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I love that. Wow, this has been such a great conversation. Mm-hmm. I love hearing about all the work mm-hmm. that everyone is doing, and I love to like hearing different perspectives. I learned something. I learned a lot of some things actually. <laughs> um, and, and I hope that Same you guys here. did too. Oh, this was wonderful. Thank yeah, you for having thank us. You. Yeah. Um, well, I'm, we're going to end on a question that we also ask everyone. Um, and it's a fun way to wrap up and talk about why we do what we do. So why do you love public health? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I'm a, I'm a nurse by trade, and so uh, taking care of people and ensuring people are healthy is, I guess, um, just in my nature. And the thing I love about public health is that instead of one-on-one, which I still I, I value, and I, I did that for several years before coming to public health, but now I have about 500,000 patients. So I just think it's amazing just to see the, the impact that you can make. And it's not mm-hmm. just kind of a, a flash in the pan. It's more of that sustaining like we are doing some really amazing things as we were discussing and mm-hmm. some challenging things that will hopefully last longer than our lifetime. So Ooh, exactly. I just, I like the breadth of it and selfishly, I hate doing the same thing every day. So I'm very mm-hmm. excited. I get to do something different every day, like having mm-hmm. a lovely conversation with these women. Um, so that is why I love public health and why I do what I do. That's a good answer. We need more people like that. So thank you. <laughs> Um, I love public health. I think, well, I mean, have I mentioned I'm an environmentalist yet? <laughs> so, <laughs> so, um, I don't know. I, I younger, I've always been a hypochondriac. Let's put that out there. So I've always been a hypochondriac and I just want people to be healthy. You know, cancers have touched my family's life. Um, so I just, I just want to reduce the, the chance that someone could get sick because they bought a house somewhere near something that polluted them, mm. you know, that, that just poisoned their body. Yeah. Um, so there's always that. So I just want to smother you with making you feel better, whether you want it or not. <laughs> um, but what I like about public health is that, um, like, like you're saying, it's, it's very stimulating because you're doing something new all the time. Mm-hmm. You're always looking for solutions. So it's very, um, it's just challenging in that way. So that's what makes public health fun. You can really just bounce around and implement any strategy that you can think of for that mm-hmm. community to improve their life. And yeah, it's great. 
and you get to be involved in so much. Sorry, oh, like so the much. partnerships that you have. Like oh, it's yeah. just epic. Yeah, you get to oh, do yeah. all kinds of different things. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I agree with you on that. Oh, yeah. Thank you both so much. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Yeah. This was great, Carmen. Mm-hmm. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. If you have questions about anything we discussed in this episode or you want to see how you can get involved in public health in your community, make sure you reach out to us. You can find all of our contact info at knoxhealth.com or reach out directly to the Knox Public Health Facebook page. I will also be sure to include contact info for our guests in the episode notes. Catch us next month as we explore more topics in the world of public health. Thanks for listening. Stay healthy and be well, everyone. Bye.